children are not righteous. And even the greatest preacher in the apostolic ranks, no matter who that might possibly be, is not righteous. No one is righteous, not one. The only person who walked this planet that was righteous was Jesus, him and him alone. That's why and how in Luke chapter 18, verse 18, when a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do and inherit eternal life? In verse number 19, uh, Jesus responds by saying, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one, that is God. Only God is good. And so who then is Jesus? He's the Son of God. Therefore, He is God because 1 Timothy 3 and 16 very plainly says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Amen. Amen. Jesus was not denying His goodness. Rather, he was pointing to the reality that he is the righteousness of God revealed in the flesh, that no one is good except him and him alone. Amen. The truth is that no one is good is a truth that very few people hold. Most of the world sees himself as good. If you were to test this theory, just go out and ask people if they're going to go to heaven. A vast majority of the people we'll talk to say, well, yeah, I'm a pretty good person. I, I, I think I'm going to heaven. When you ask them why they think so, they will say something about they're always about their goodness. They believe that God will reward them for being good. And now if they were really good, if they were really righteous, God would reward them by allowing them into his presence. But the problem is no one is righteous. No, not one. That's what the scripture says. They fail to see their wickedness. They fail to see their sin. And they fail to see their iniquity. And therefore, they fail to see their need for Jesus. But I've come to this pulpit today to declare that good people don't make it into the kingdom of God. Only those who have repented of their sins, been baptized in Jesus' name, and have received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance are going to make it. Uh, Let me just stay here for a moment. You cannot be saved by your good works because no matter how hard you try, your good is just not good enough for a perfectly holy and completely righteous God who alone grants salvation. Can I hear an amen? Nor, neither can you be saved by your moral perfection. No matter how moral, no matter how ethical or honest you might be, or, or no matter how perfect you might be. Consider with me what, amen, Peter tells us in 1 Peter, amen, chapter 4, verse 18. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? We only make it to heaven by Jesus' perfect effort and perfect payment on the cross for all of our sin. Because Romans chapter 5 verses 6 through 8 tell us, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure, amen, for a good man some would even dare to die. 
But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. As the Old Testament prophet Isaiah points out in our first text reading, uh, amen, your righteousness is about as good as nothing but filthy rags. The point is that both of our acts of righteousness and the quality of our righteousness that we hope that they produce are disgusting to God. So if you're disgusted by Isaiah's language, think of how God who inspired Isaiah to choose those coarse words uh, is repulsed by our efforts to try to get him uh, to redeem us or to save us by our good works. Can I tell you today that we're just filthy rags? That's what we are. We're not at all what we think we are. Because if we'll be honest with ourselves, most of us think we're really something when in fact we're nothing. I stand up here today ashamed of what I am. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 24 and 25 reminds us, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. Can I tell you, we're not made holy and righteous by the most elegant and fancy clothes that we can afford to wear. We're not made righteous by or honorable by the most expensive car that we can afford to drive. And further, we're not made any more virtuous, uh, spiritual, and righteous by the most expensive home uh, that we can afford to own. No, absolutely not. We need to stop acting more holier than thou. Need to stop thinking we're better than our brother or our sister. Because as much as we think we are really something, we're nothing but filthy rags. So... What hope, then, is there for our salvation? Well, frankly, no hope at all resides within us, none whatsoever. Listen to what Titus chapter 3, verse number 3 states. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient. Deceived, serving divers' lust and pleasures, uh, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But notice what the Apostle Paul then says in verses 4 and 5 of Titus chapter 3. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, somebody ought to clap your hands right now. Amen. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. 
And then in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it tells us, uh, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, uh, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, uh, according to the prince of the power of the air. The Spirit now worketh in the children of disobedience, uh, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, uh, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh uh, and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others and again notice what he tells us in verses 4 and 5 of visions chapter 2 but God who is rich in mercy for his great love amen wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ by grace are you saved that's how hopeless we are apart from God's works to save us but because of the kindness and the mercy of God and because of God's grace and His mercy, He loved us who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's how the songwriter could pin the words that say, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. I can't place my hope in the pastor, I can't place my hope in being an apostolic. I can't place my hope in my perfect church attendance or even how much tithes and the offerings I give. Our righteousness, I said our righteousness, and let me stop here for just a moment and make myself very clear. We do have to be righteous, amen, to be acceptable to God. And our righteousness is what comes from Jesus Christ alone. And that's how it's possible that God manifest himself in the flesh and came on earth to die on the cross, to hang there as our sin, amen, in order to pay the just punishment for sin that we deserved. That is our only hope, amen, that Jesus became sin. He became our sin. He became my sin. In so doing, he likewise became our righteousness. For 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 informs us, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Somebody praise him right now. He is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Amen. That was appointed before Him the world that was ever created. He is Abel's Lamb. He is Noah's Ark. He is Abraham's sacrifice. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the Passover Lamb. He is the rock out of which the water flows. He is the bread and the man on which we feed. He is the tabernacle. He is the altar. He is the mercy seat where we meet with him and find acceptance from God. He is the fourth man in the fire. He is our kinsman redeemer. He is our mediator. He is our great high priest who stands in our place and he is the only one able to wash and cleanse our filthy rags. He is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love you, God. And that righteousness is a standard of judgment for all mankind. Because at the judgment, sinners are not going to be compared with other sinners. 
they'll be compared with Jesus Christ. But all who come short are sinners. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 still says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have a righteousness, amen, that answers the demands of God's law and justice, or we will perish. We must receive his righteousness by faith, by trusting that he has met all the conditions and that his righteousness is made, amen, complete in us when we've repented of our sins. We've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. We've received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. I'm telling you, that's God's plan of salvation. In the book of Zechariah, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, we read, And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing on his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed, notice this, now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. Unto him he said, Behold, I have caused an iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. The world places a great amount of emphasis on outward appearance, often neglecting their inner spiritual heart condition. People often choose uh, to either adorn themselves with the latest and the greatest fashions uh, or choose to dress down themselves in, in different attire. Amen. Both are taking outer appearance uh, in, the, in the extremely worldly fashion, uh, and none are honoring to God. Joshua in this Old Testament text was clothed with filthy garments before the angel. Does this mean that he took on the grungy look so common to so many in the younger mindset geared to the world's popular opinion and fashion trends? Well, I don't want to get too plain, but you ever seen anybody with their pants hanging down? No. Joshua's filthy garments, pay attention, were an inner indication of a spiritual defect, not any type of an issue with his outer attire. The Lord is intimately concerned about our heart condition, more so than our outward presentation. However, both the inner heart condition and the outer shell of the apostolic life are important. The inner state of a man's heart can be vastly different than how he chooses to present himself to those around him. But the Lord always knows the true condition of the heart. The Bible said he looks on the heart. But, but let, let, let's make sure we appreciate the imagery of this portion of our text because we, we 
cannot be certain of the attire of the king of Israel or even of the common servant. But we do have a detailed description of the clothing worn by the high priest as found in Exodus chapters 28 and again in detail in Exodus chapter 39. Uh, scripture goes into great lengths uh, to, to describe the artistically woven garments uh, uh, that he would wear whenever serving around the temple. How beautiful and how majestic uh, these garments uh, were. I mean, the, from the golden bells to the pomegranates, you can look at, and, and, and yourself and see, to the breastplate uh, with the uh, precious stones, 12 precious stones, uh, Amen. So it must have been quite a shock to Zechariah when he saw a vision of Joshua, the high priest clothed in filthy garments. And I'm sure the words of that prophet Isaiah came to him, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. The dirty clothes on Joshua, the high priest, were a picture of his sin. They revealed that even... The best attempts at righteousness fall short of the perfection required to access the presence of God. We can all relate to this whether we want to admit it or not. We're just all filthy rags. The Apostle Paul said it like this in Romans chapter 7 verses 18 through 25. For I know that is in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but... How to perform that which is good, I know not. For the, good that, for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members. Warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity the law of sin which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, amen, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. Church, let me say it this way. Everyone in here has one thing in common. We are all messed up. Underneath the nice clothes, the suit, the Sunday outfit, uh, and even the standard greeting when you ask someone how they're doing, well, I'm blessed. Praise God, I'm blessed. We're all messed up. No, not everyone may be suffering with smoking, drinking, gambling, lying, cheating, being promiscuous and womanizing. However, we're all struggling with sin. Paul said, when I try to do good, evil's always present. Despite the front that you're putting on right now, everyone from myself and your pastor to the newest saint that has suffered from the, well, I just can't help it. But is there anyone here that's glad that we serve a God who regardless of what we have done or how we have walked away from him, he has a preordained plan for those he loves. Can you thank him right now? 
Aren't you glad today that Jesus has a way of showing up? Aren't you glad this morning if you already have the Holy Ghost that it will keep you? Aren't you glad that we serve a forgiving God? Aren't you glad we serve a God that is more than able? Aren't you glad that we've got a God who is able to forgive us our sin, cleanse us from unrighteousness? Ooh, I love you, Jesus. Oh, my, 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 my. It was at this very moment that Zechariah witnessed one of the most glorious events in all of Scripture when the high priest Joshua was found in filthy garments and the devil make an accusation against him. Amen. Please note with me, Jesus never said the devil was lying about the high priest. Everything the devil said against the priest was true. The devil was making accusation uh, as Joshua stood before the Lord uh, to make it into the heavenly kingdom. uh, And the devil said, this Joshua is nothing but filthy rags. No, God never said that he wasn't. But he silenced the accusing tongue of Satan. Then he replaced Joshua's filthy garments with a robe of righteousness. And finally he declared that this was done as a sign. All of us have fallen short of the standard required to enter heaven or to have fellowship with God. Because Romans chapter 3 verse 23 reminds us for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. One sin was enough to remove Adam and Eve from the garden. And we are all guilty of too many to count. The glorious truth of the cross is that we can have our sins replaced with his righteousness and be clothed with garments that gave us access to the throne room of heaven. Somebody praise him right now. Oh, I love you, Jesus. No matter how big, small, or often we've sinned, the only solution for having it removed is Jesus Christ and Him alone. He alone can replace our filthy garments with His robe of righteousness. But thank God, just like Joshua the high priest, we too have hope because Romans 15 and 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope. the power of the Holy Ghost somebody praise him right now we have a hope I said we have a hope we have a hope it's only through the power of the Holy Ghost and this hope will fill you with all righteousness peace and joy oh I love him today if you want to exchange your filthy rags for a robe of righteousness, why don't you come to this altar right now and let God close you with new garments of the Holy Ghost. I see what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is thy flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fault I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on, let's love him. Would you stand with me? Come on, would you love him right now? Oh, I love you, Jesus. Oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Oh, I love you. Oh, thank you, God, for your blood. Thank you for the sacrifice you paid at Calvary. Thank you, God, for what it means. Thank you for the Holy Ghost, God.
love the Lord this morning? Can we love the Lord this morning? Jesus, I love you today. God, I thank you for your word this morning, Jesus. Thank you for reminding me. Lord, where my strength and where my hope and my righteousness comes from, Jesus. Lord, you are truly my everything, God. I can never thank you enough for your goodness, Jesus. You're worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be praised. Can we lift our voice to the Lord right now all together? Let's thank you for his goodness this morning. I love you, Jesus, and I praise you today. Oh, there is no one like you, Savior. There is no one like you, Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. You've been good to us, God. You've been good to us, God. I love you. I love you. Oh, you're worthy, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Savior. Thank you, Elder Hayes, for preaching to us this morning. You know, it's not always a comfortable thing.